I remember like sitting at our church and playing this hymn and just like crying and realizing that like God was with me. He wasn't going to forsake me. Um, it's a powerful moment. I think for me, like I had to hit that, uh, like that much of a wall to like finally realize, yeah, like I need some help and to understand that God was there for me. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today graduated magna cum laude in neuroscience from Brigham Young University, then attended UCLA Medical School and went through psychiatry residency training at UC Irvine. In 2016, he founded Strong Men, Strong Marriages to help couples achieve the relationship they desire by working through issues such as infidelity, falling out of love, broken trust, poor communication, and many other conflicts. He has been married to his wife, Elizabeth, since 2005. Having experienced many of these issues firsthand, he spent years learning what it takes to build a great marriage. I'm pleased to present Dr. Mike Frazier. Mike, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am ready. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Awesome, awesome. Well, we always like to break the ice with something a little fun. So at Christmas time, your wife bought you guys matching shirts. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about that? Because that's really cute. <laughs> so this was, this was a while back, but yeah, she, um, we got these two Santa, like they have Santa on them, they're blue. And yeah, that was fun. That was a fun uh, thing to do. This Christmas though, uh, like Elizabeth went all out. Like we, we were going to be kind of alone on Christmas this year as a family, which is kind of sad, especially to her. So she, um, decided we'd do a drive-through Christmas. So people came by our house, we made a meal, gathered some gift cards up and uh, it was busy, but super cool and a good opportunity for the kids to, you know, see and do something for some people who need it more than us. Uh, so it's nice. That is so fun. Oh my goodness. What a, what a blessing to see that you guys are at a point in your life and in your marriage when, where you can love and share and give to others around you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It took a while to get there, but we're, we're there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to dive into that. It took a while to get there, right? <laughs> so why don't we go back into your marriage and kind of, why don't you walk us through the, the hard times and, and what it looked like and what it felt like for you and kind of that process of evolving to what it is today? Yeah, so I mean, we um, we got married pretty young. I was 21. I'm a, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I just come back from a mission for that church. Um, so like you in in the church, like kind of your next step is to get married. So right. uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I was very much like on the hunt, like trying to to find the right uh, the right person to marry, the right girl to marry. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we found each other, our dating was intense. Like we saw each other every day, 
you know, after our first date and just really hit it off, like really good chemistry. Um, so it was fun. It was, uh, the dating was great early on in our marriage. You know, things were uh, really good. We had still had a lot of fun. Um, as time went on, what I found out was her family who looked very um, normal, looked very um, prominent in even the church and in the community and those kind of things, um, had actually been sex trafficking my wife for most of her life. Oh. Um, yeah, and so I didn't know this going in. I didn't know that when I married her um, and only found out right about when we were going to move uh, out of Utah for medical school. Um, so, it, so that was, you know, a big, a big shock to me. I bet. Well, yeah. let me ask you, because that, I can't even imagine what was going through your mind. What were you thinking when she finally told you? So, you know, I had seen her struggling. I had seen her, you know, having, uh, having bouts of depression, having, you know, times when she felt like she didn't have any friends, like she was alone. And yeah, I just kind of thought, well, it, what, what I did know going in and the story that she told me and her family told me was that she had been abused as a child, like that it had happened a long time ago. So I just kind of thought to myself, well, you know, maybe that's just kind of catching up to her or, you know, she's having these things happen. The other story I was told is that, that you know, she had, been sexually abused more recently but you know by other people and so you know I just kind of chalked it up to that like wow you know trying to support her trying to be there um but yeah I didn't have any idea that it was her family that was involved in it um so yeah I found out that right before we were uh, kind of gonna move out and you asked me what I was thinking at the time I, I part of me didn't want to believe it you know, I was like, can this really be happening? Um, but like, I, I trusted her, I believed her. And as I looked back, I started to see, you know, um, maybe things weren't quite as uh, good as they seemed to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of more subtle things. It wasn't like glaring, you know, glaring things. So I think my response to stress typically is to go into a problem solving mode like I don't get super emotional right away I think um, most guys do that <laughs> <laughs> which, which is good I mean I yeah, think I, I think if if we had both sort of fallen apart it wouldn't have been very good but like, yeah so I went more into problem solving mode more kind of like survival just kind of like shut down the emotional response or just like okay like what do we do like what's what's going to be our best next steps here um, so we moved which was great uh, we ended up writing a letter to them which was still this <clears throat> is to the the sex trafficking group right to the family yeah to, to her family and so it basically said you know elizabeth's having memories that you know some people in their family were unsafe um please don't contact us anymore. Uh, if you do, you know, we'll reach out to authorities and basically kind of, that's the essence of what the letter said. Mm -hmm. um, so from that point, they really didn't reach out 
much to us, which was good. Um, you know, we created that separation and, um, you know, Elizabeth was able to get into uh, therapy and start going through a, a healing process that took uh, a while. Took, I bet. Yeah, it took a lot of years. And, and still, like, it's still not all the way there. Um, you know, she has hard times. She has good times. Um, and, you know, talking about, like, the story of hope or getting through hard things, like, the, the hard times for me were, you know, seeing her suffer, not feeling like I could really do much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was... It, also on my side, you know, when she went into those bouts of depression, it was pretty much me that needed to, we had kids, you know, we have five kids now, but, you know, we had our first, our first son, we had like one year after we got married, and then next one, a couple years after that, so we had, you know, two, three, four kids throughout all this, um, and so yeah, it'd be pretty much me that was taking care of them, you know, making and meals. And going to, to medical school. That. Right, yeah, that was the <laughs> other part, <laughs> so yeah doing medical school and residency on top of it it was wild but you know talking about trying to see like god's hand in that one of the big memories i have was like so elizabeth was actually out of town to get specialized treatment you know for for her trauma and so just me uh, our two boys and uh you know one of the big blessings through this was our, our church group really rallied around us. Like we moved to a place that really didn't make sense. Like we, we lived in Orange County school was in Los Angeles, long commute for me. Um, but like the people in our, in our church group, our wards called were just so supportive and like exactly what we needed really took us in like family really kind of watched out for Elizabeth while I was gone. You know, and when she left, we had people that were watching our boys and did just such an incredible job doing that. Um, it's just like seeing God put people in our lives that could support us and that could help us through it. Um, but uh, like one specific memory that I had, that I, I know it was God's help that helped me through it was I was coming up on this exam, this anatomy exam. I had not studied as much as I would typically because, yeah. of, because of everything that was going on. Um, and I walked in, I was just like, you know what? I, like, I'm just going to do my best and I hope God helps me because like, I'm, like, I'm not ready for this. Like, I was expecting to have to like repeat the the block really, but I walked in, I, I reviewed like everything that I had on that unit, like f- the hour before the test, <laughs> just like uh-huh. try to like freshen it up. Um, but I went in and I scored like a, like a 97 on the anatomy. Oh, and, most. Yeah, and like a, <laughs> you know, 95 or something on the written uh, part. So like I look back on that and just say like, that wasn't me. Like hundred percent, that wasn't me. Like I know God helped me through that or sent angels or something, you know, that, you know, he helped me pass that test and, and get through all of that. Um, so on the academic side, you know, that, and then, um, as I mentioned, just like having the people that were there and supporting us. And how are you doing emotionally at this point? I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's what you were going through, especially when you were doing medical school and taking care of the kids and your wife had to go to specialized treatment. Seriously, how are you doing emotionally? Because I, I can only imagine how I would be feeling just like completely overwhelmed. I know you had people helping you. Yeah, it definitely it was overwhelming. Definitely it was, um, I felt like, like I'm a pretty capable person. I feel like I can accomplish most of the things that I want to in my life up to that point, especially. Um, but like, it was too much. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do it by myself, which was hard, but uh, an important lesson. You know, to me, it really drove me to uh, get help from God, from the people around me, uh, to accept help, uh, to accept the idea that I needed help. Um, like I remember during this time too, there was a, a hymn from our church called "How Firm a Foundation." That's even it's um, it, it's based on a scripture in Isaiah that um, is just so powerful and was so helpful to me. Um, Why don't you share some of that with us? Yeah. So I think this one, this one was a good one. Every condition in sickness, in health, in poverty's veil or abounding in wealth at home or abroad on the land or the sea as thy days may demand. So thy sucker shall be like, I definitely felt that in that time that, you know, my need was greater and what I received was, was greater because of that. But this is like, this is probably the, one of the most powerful verses for me was fear not i am with thee O be not dismayed for i am thy god and will still give thee aid i'll strengthen thee help thee and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand then the one after that when through the deep waters i call thee to go the rivers of sorrow shall not thee overflow for i will be with thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress um, pretty much the whole thing. I mean, I can keep going. <laughs> but. No, this is so beautiful. And, and I love, I love that hymn. So I, I find it so applicable that that is one of the things that just really resonated with you and reminded you that, yes, you were going through deep waters. Yes, it was so overwhelming, but God was there with you. Yeah, absolutely. And even the last one where it says, the soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I cannot desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And I remember like sitting at our church and playing this hymn and just like crying and realizing that like God was with me. He wasn't going to forsake me. Um, it's a powerful moment. And, um, and I see it and I continue to see it that, you know, as I do trust in God through it, you know, he helps me through it, um, either through strengthening me directly or which, I mean, you say, how did I, how was I doing emotionally? Like it was hard. I was sad. I felt overwhelmed, but like I had finished my school. I took care of the kids. Like I got all this stuff done. Like I had the strength that I needed to do it um and like personally i give credit to uh, to god for that i think he's the one that helped me get through it yeah 
Oh, and, and it's so good to know that on those days or months or years, perhaps even when, when we're feeling completely overwhelmed, that God is not going to forsake us. Like you said that, but it, it does require a choice. It requires us choosing to turn to him in that time of despair and that time of trial. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, like I had to hit that, uh, like that much of a wall to like finally realize, yeah, like I need some help and to understand that God was there for me. Um, so it's been, uh, the hardest thing I've been through, but the, the best as far as building up my, my strength, my, um, my faith, and um, really my, my compassion also for um, people as they go through this. One thing that I have really discovered and believe strongly is we sort of take turns. Um, like we had many years where it was our turn to mainly be receiving service um, from people. You know, we were struggling in every way. So, you know, like financially as a student, like in Southern California where it's expensive to live. Oh, so expensive. Uh, (laughs) We started off our marriage in Southern California. So I remember that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So financially we were definitely on the receiving end of, you know, people helping us, uh, the church helping us, uh, friends, family. And it's hard to, to be there in a way. Um, but like I said, what I learned was we, we just take turns and it's fine. Like sometimes you're going to be, you're going to need to be on the receiving end of financial and emotional and spiritual support. Um, then as you kind of get strengthened, it's going to be your turn to, to go out and, you know, provide financial or emotional or spiritual support. Um, and I feel like, you know, God does that for a reason that, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're up and we can help. Sometimes we're down and we receive help. And, um, just being okay with that, like knowing that yeah. that's, that's part of the process. It is part of the process. That's, oh, I agree. And I've seen that same cycle. I call it the cycle of service. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that that's really what it is. And um, it's a blessing to both receive the service and to be able to give it. And, and I think those downtimes also help us, like you say, give it with more compassion. Yes. So, you know, having been at such a low point yourself, you're now able to, you know, help others in in their own struggles. So let me ask you this. Let's kind of segue into how you grew as a person and made the choice to start changing yourself um, instead of... I don't know, as I was kind of reading your story online, I noticed a pattern that you, you realized you kind of went from trying to just help her and change her that you had to make some changes as well. Yeah, yeah. So I think it, the way that I look at it and like the people that I follow in this would be like David Schnarch, who unfortunately just passed away, uh, Jennifer Finlayson, five other people that look at marriage as sort of a, a developmental process. So we start out kind of more dependent uh, and then we become more independent and then more interdependent. Um, So Stephen Covey kind of talks about that same progression. Mm -hmm. Um, So early on, you know, uh, I think a lot of us when we get married, we, we think that 
so it's it's our job to meet our spouse's needs. It's their job to meet our needs. Um, it's our job to make our spouse happy. It's their job to make us happy. Um, and so it's a, it's sort of a dependent situation. I think when we got married, like I really had a big need to feel needed, which I was <laughs> like, mm -hmm. big time. Um, and, and that fit and she, and she sort of needed to be taken care of, which was fine. So it was a fit, right? But if, Eventually, as she started, you know, healing, which was awesome, as, you know, things started to improve as far as, um, you know, just her ability to function and, and um, take care of herself and take care of the kids and uh, even start a business later on, um, I started to um, realize that what I went into marriage believing was that that idea of happy wife, happy life. Like my main job as a husband is to make my wife happy. So some interesting things happen with that. <laughs> like, Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, there's, there's a few different lies sort of tied up in that. So the number one lie is that I'm actually responsible for her emotions. Um, so I remember listening to a podcast by, by Jody Moore who explained this idea that like that you're not responsible for your wife's emotions. And I really felt like at that moment I was like let out of jail. I was like, mm. what? Like I don't <laughs> like I don't have to like if she's happy, that's not always my fault. Or if she's sad, that's not really my fault. Like I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. <laughs> so, um, cause, cause when you're in that mindset, you're just like, Oh, like w whatever I do, it's just got to make my wife happy. Um, so I remember even like being in my closet and I would try to choose clothes just based on what she's going to like, like, you know, which one is she going to, you know, think is good. Which one is she going to like about me? Um, and it's just not a very fun way to live <laughs> when, yeah. when you're so concerned all the time about what your wife's thinking and feeling about you. And so, um, it, like for a while I went sort of the opposite direction. I was like, Oh, I'm not responsible. Like, fine. Like I don't care. You know, I don't care what she thinks or I don't, I'm going to do whatever I want and, you know, not even uh -huh. pay attention to her. <laughs> it freaked her out, actually. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> she, she remembers this period like pretty well where, where I was just kind of on this going the opposite direction. Like before I was like, oh, let me do everything that, that I can't take care of her. And then I was like, I'm not going to do anything. Like take care of yourself, you know? Uh, so, She's like, what happened to my husband? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, yeah, that's pretty much what you was saying. <laughs> so, um, but what I, what I came to realize was it's, those are two sides of the same coin. It's being, it's still being like super dependent on her because I'm like, basically saying, well, you know, forget you, I'm, you know, I'll do what I want. Um, what I came to realize was there's a, a higher way or like a true way, which is really defining who I want to be as a husband and a father and a man and living according to that, right? So do I still do nice things for my wife? Yeah, but do I do them only to make her happy? No, like I do them because I feel like that's what a good husband does. 
that's mm-hmm. the kind of husband that I want to be. Um, give, give the example of like buying her flowers. So I would buy her flowers and then I would just like wait and I'd say like, okay, like, is she going to like them? Is she going to put them in the vase? If she hasn't put them in the vase, she probably doesn't care. And like, then I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. So uh, I call that, the term I call as being a mosquito. It's like you do something nice, but you're expecting something back. It's like you're trying to suck it off like a mosquito, like suck off attention, appreciation, affection, sex. Um, or like the classic examples doing the dishes, right? So a guy, a husband will go in, they'll do the dishes and then expect their wife to want to have sex with them that night, right? Mm-hmm. As a kind of return of, mm-hmm. uh, of that. So... Yeah, what I came to realize was, well, you can do it that way. And even sometimes it might work, but eventually, like, your wife gets sick of it. Like, she realizes there's that intention behind it. Like, there's strings attached to the service. And that's when it starts drying up. And then as the mosquito, that's when you start, like, getting upset. You're like, well, I'm doing all this, you know. Now it's your turn, you know. Now it's Mm -hmm. your turn to do something for me. And... Uh, a lot of times you don't even say it. It's just kind of implied. Um, what I really came to realize from that was it's really treating your, your wife like a prostitute in a way. Like you're kind of trying to purchase sex from her by, you know, doing these favors. Or, I, I you know, I pay for the, the bills, you know, so you should, you owe this to me. Which in, in my wife's situation, that's even going to be more heightened, right? Her sense sure. of... I'm being used for sex. And so like I had to really clean that up in myself and realize, okay, do I want sex to be a part of our relationship? Yes. But do I want to have her feel like she owes it to me? Uh, definitely not. Um, no, that's not how I want that relationship to be. So um, yeah, kind of coming back to the idea of a happy wife, happy life. So the idea that I'm responsible for emotions, I'm not really, but I can still choose to you know, serve her and, and be a good husband because I want to be that. Now, uh, paradoxically, that is when she does appreciate me more. That's when she does, you know, is more willing to be intimate because she knows there are not those strings attached. So it's weird, you know, when you don't need it, when you don't feel so needy for it, that's when you end up getting more of it. When you're not looking for it, that's when you get it. Uh, so it's kind of, so basically what you're saying is that you need to be happy and comfortable with yourself where you are and not expect that other, your spouse to be able to, you know, my, you're almost saying it to yourself as well, that she isn't going to make you happy. You choose to be happy by yourself right. and, and be confident in, I'm confident myself as a husband, as a man she can be confident in herself as a woman. And, you know, and so it's, it, it almost boils down to um, you being able to be happy and confident in who you are. And then you're able to have a better relationship as a couple. Is, Absolutely. Is, is that really what it kind of boil, it boils down to? Yeah. The way that I, the steps I like to describe in it are get strong, get attractive, get an incredibly intimate marriage. Ooh, I love, love, love that you've divided this into three awesome steps. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to have Dr. Mike tell us about these three steps, get strong, get attractive and get a strong, joyful and intimate marriage. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic crazy 
and completely awful compared to the norm. What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The diagnosis survival guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. I'm talking to Dr. Mike Frazier, the founder of the program Strong Men, Strong Marriages. And he and I have been talking a little bit about how his own personal experience in building this program because of the challenges his wife had from being sexually abused from the time she was very, very young. And you were just about to tell us about your three steps in this program. First, get strong. Second, get attractive. And three, get a strong, joyful, and intimate marriage. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Dr. Mike? So getting strong, to me, there's like elements of that. So spiritual strength is kind of what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And to me, to me, spiritual strength is uh, the core of it is self-worth, like yes. your value as a person, um, which people will, will tie that to different things. Um, what a lot of us try to tie that to is relationships or accomplishments or um, how righteous we are or whatever. Um, problem with that is it's based on comparison. There's always going to be somebody with more. Uh, there's always going to be somebody with less. So you can say I'm better, but you can also say I'm worse. So the book You Are Special by Max Lucado, I think does a really good job describing this principle where if we're just always looking for, you know, a star, a gold star for somebody or trying to avoid, you know, what he calls a, a gray dot or like a negative statement yeah. from somebody, um, we're just, we're, we're kind of trapped. But if we can go to God and understand what God thinks about us, that we're special because he made us, you know, and he doesn't make mistakes and really feeling that value within us. I, I consider that like, if, if there's a cup and you're trying to fill that with worth, like worth is water, let's say, if you're trying to get that from other people, they're like, hey, can you dump some in? Hey, can you dump some in? Or I'll give you a little bit, but you need to give me more. Like you're kind of stuck. But if you put it, like getting that from God's like putting it under the faucet, you just turn it on, it's just coming, coming, overflows, and then you can go give that to whoever. Um, and um so yeah, if you can tie it, even if it's not God, like if you don't believe in God, but something that is infinite, like just that as a human being, you have worth as, um, you know, a perfectly evolved human is a way I've, I've heard it said, like there's a Buddha within all of us, whatever it is, if you can tie it to something that's infinite, it's just going to be so much better than trying to get it from other people. And I know for me, it's in and out. Like sometimes I feel that more and sometimes not as much, but I try to make it a daily practice. Well, I, I do make it daily practice to just sit and try to remember and feel that worth every morning 
uh, so I can go out and and serve others and not feel like it's draining me. Right. How do you do that? How do you how do you tap into your source uh, yeah, every so, morning? What are some of the things you do? Yeah, so my personal practice, so I get up, I uh, take a cold shower, <laughs> I come down and kneel down and, and say a prayer. Um, and that's the, it's, it's, it's sort of like a set prayer in a way in that it's just kind of like a visualization of like the type of person that I want to be. But it starts off with just like, help me feel, uh, feel your love, help me feel value. And I kind of bring my mind back to times when I have felt that. And I, I just kind of wait until I feel that. And like, for me, it feels like, um, like a warm sensation, like a, I'd call it yellow, like a tingling kind of fills my body. Uh, starts in my heart so kind of wait until I start feeling that or I can at least remember that and then I kind of go on to the rest of you know what kind of husband I want to be and father and uh, marriage coach and in church and all that um so you use a lot of visualization in your yes yes um yeah this is what I teach my guys right is you use as many senses as you can so sight touch taste smell sound uh, try to picture all of that because um, that'll help you get there a little bit more. That is um, really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I do it. Um, it helps a lot to just kind of start your day there and mm. uh, kind of uh, the way I put it is it's like setting your destination. Um, and then at the end of the day, you check in and you say, okay, like, how did I do? Did I kind of live up to that? Where did I mess up? I find myself when I do that in the evenings, a lot of times going to apologize to somebody. <laughs> God's good about reminding us when we messed up, huh? <laughs> uh, either, either my wife or one of, one of my kids. Um, but it's good. I mean, that's how you make those little corrections. Like Stephen Covey says, like uh, a plane's actually off course most of the time when it's going from one place to the other but it's just those little corrections each day so like the morning visualization kind of sets the destination the evening just kind of makes you lets you make those little course corrections so you, so you get there wow i love that and this is part of principle one that you teach which is get strong. yeah so getting strong so, so spiritually this is how you do it is first connecting with god being able to feel your internal worth yes yeah so then you're not trying to get it from everybody else like what i call being a mosquito trying to get your worth from sure from everybody else so yeah so and then you set like a clear mission for what you want in your life like that's also what i consider spiritual strength um yeah it doesn't have to be tied to god um but uh I think that's the best way. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, and then there's mental strength. So, you know, being able to, to really choose your thoughts, emotional strength, being able to feel your emotions, deal with them appropriately, not lose your temper, that kind now, of Now, are these things you coach people through? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And then um, sexual strength, which is um, kind of ties into the other ones, too. Um but really figuring out how do I want to use my sexuality in the world? Like that's part of my being. That's part of what God gave me. How am I going to use that? Like how do I mm-hmm. want to use that? This has helped. I've helped guys with pornography problems too. And this helps a lot, right? Instead of saying like, oh, don't, don't look porn, don't look porn. It's like, no, how do I want to use my sexuality? Okay, so for me, my state, what I say is I want to use my sexuality to connect deeply with and have fun with my wife. And so... 
I say, okay, that's that's my destination. That's what I want. Okay, is pornography going to bring me closer to that or not? I can choose it. Like I could mm. close this and look at pornography right now if I wanted. But is that going to help me get where I want? It, it's not. And so that just makes it more clear, like why you're choosing what you're choosing or why you're mm. not choosing what you're not choosing. So basically you're teaching people to make choices based on the end result that they want. Yeah. Yeah. And being, and trying to find that based on a place of integrity and something that's more internal. And if you're a, a spiritual person that, you know, comes from, comes from God, comes from the spirit. Uh, I think that's what, uh, we're trying to go for in our church right now is more that personal revelation and living in integrity with, you know, what feels correct to us. That's still within like the, um, the bounds of, you know, like, like God's not going to tell you, Oh, like it's good to, you know, go have a bunch of affairs. Like that's, that's not going to be actually an integrity. Like it's going to be what feels right. Um, what feels true, what feels in alignment with your conscience. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I call building strength or getting strong. Yeah. Um, the, the next part's getting attractive, which is really building up your interpersonal skills. So that's about communication, being really good at um, being able to both understand and be understood, um, being able to work through conflicts, turn conflicts into more connection. Um, Cause they really can like, sure in fact it has to happen like if you're not having any conflict in your marriage there's probably not a lot of of passion right there's probably not a lot of like there's going to be good times but like every time there's a, a conflict that's an opportunity to increase your connection to increase your intimacy and that's how i try to teach myself and and the guys i work with to look mm-hmm. at it um and then the step three is getting incredibly intimate marriage which is when you, you know, find these points of really knowing each other, being known deeply, even saying things to your spouse that you know they won't necessarily like, but that are true to you and important to you, you know, that might stir up some conflict, but you kind of know how to deal with that now. Um, and then the, the sexuality part, you know, approaching that as a way to really know each other at a deep level versus just have an orgasm or like make you feel good about yourself because your wife, you know, saw you in that way, but actually make it about, no, like I see you, I, I want you, I want to connect with you in this way. I want this to be a part of our relationship because um, that's attractive to, mm-hmm. to your wife. That feels good. That creates um, connection. So that's kind of the, the big outline of you know what I what I do with guys and what I work on myself all the time too. That is really cool. I, as you were talking about it, I was kind of picturing like a bullseye. How the first principle is really you just working on that first thing, which is you. You got to mm-hmm. fix yourself first. Yes. And that second step of get attractive is all about communication. So expanding that out to helping and, and relating and being able to talk to people in ways that are appropriate and correct. Right. And then step three is almost a joint effort. I don't know. Yeah. Is, is that a yeah. good way of describing it? No, for sure. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, internal and then, um, yeah, like, uh, like dependent, independent, interdependent. Yeah. So like yourself, others, and then working together with others, like cooperation. That is so cool. I've never thought about it like that before, but that's a really good pattern. I can see that it would, 
it would totally work. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so seriously, how, how did you come upon this? Now I know you, you've got your psych degree in psychology and you're also a doctor. So, so is this, are these just things that you, that you figured out as you were studying? How did, how did you develop this? Seriously? Yeah, so yeah, it's some of both. So like a lot of books kind of shaped my, my thinking, my, my training throughout my uh, psychiatry and psychology. Well, I said psychology, but I trained in psychiatry, but also a lot of, did a lot of therapy within that. Um, so I learned a lot of really good tools and uh, did marriage counseling with um did some training in marriage counseling as a resident um and then like applying coaching tools like like from jody moore and like her like brooke castillo and those folks um and then um yeah entrepreneurship and so it's been like a lot of things but then the the main thing was just looking at my own life and marriage and okay like what did i need to apply here what really created the breakthroughs for me? Is there some pattern in it that I can pull out here that'll be useful? Um, yeah, it helped me a ton. Then I just went out and shared it with, with other guys. You know, they had really good results too. Um, with uh, So I work with men and, uh, and with couples um, that are going through this. So the, um, yeah, like anywhere from yeah, affairs or, you know, it's in big trouble versus like more like ours where it was, it was okay. Like it was good, but you wanted it to go that next level. There's good. It's all that like um, underlying stuff that you don't think about that the mosquito stuff, the self-worth stuff that's you know, not as, as evident. You have to kind of dig a little bit like an affair. It's clear, you know, sure that happened. <laughs> it's, it's time to like, got to do some stuff to deal with that. Um, but uh, yeah, the same principles apply. Um, you know, with, uh, with infidelity, it's about rebuilding trust. And the way you do that is by becoming a trustworthy person, which is really sure. spiritual strength and, you know, being a man of your word. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm sure there are people out there listening right now who are thinking and, and, and hearing your story and relating to it. What would you say to them as far as to give them hope or to give them some tips that they can just start on like today? Yeah. So I would say like, if you are, let's just say you're, you're in a marriage where you just don't feel like there's the connection that you would like there to be. Um, I think what I'd look at very first is really digging into that idea of, am I trying to get my sense of worth from my spouse in some way? Uh, the way you'll know is if you're saying stuff like, oh, my, my, my wife just doesn't appreciate me or my husband just doesn't appreciate me. Or like, if they would just have, you know, sex with me more often, then I'd be happy. Or, you know, if, uh, if they would just notice, if they just make dinner more or whatever, right? Mm. Like anything, if you're like, if this happened, then I would be happy. Like, you know, you're off course, <laughs> right? Okay. Because you're, you're giving your spouse all of the power over your emotional life, um, which is 
awful in a lot of ways. It's awful because now you have no control over your emotional life because your spouse is in charge of it. It's awful because they have a responsibility that they don't want and never signed up for. But the worst part is there's nothing you can do about it except try to change your spouse, which doesn't work. And so if you find yourself saying that, oh, if she would just this, then I'd be happy. Or if he would just this, then I'd be happy. You're like, well, wait a second. You know, I don't want to give them that much power. Like I want to be able to find joy in my own life. And sure, like, can I, <clears throat> this is the part of it, creating intimacy as well as realizing that you are just as valuable as your spouse, right? That you can make requests and say, hey, I'd like this. I'd like you to do this, but then not being like, if you don't, then you hate me. And if you don't, then I'm going to like be feeling awful. Right. right. Um, so it's, it's a balance, but what it comes down to is, you know, understanding you have value, understand your spouse has value and then trying to find, you know, things that work for both of you. Um, you want your marriage to feel like you're both winning, not like you're losing and your, your spouse is winning or you're winning and they're losing. Right. No, that's, that's really cool. Wow. This has been so <laughs> enlightening. This has been really fun to talk because I, I guess I, I've never really paused to think about things in quite the way you phrased them. It, it's been really, really fun. Let me ask you this. What about people who have a spouse who's unwilling to change? Like they're willing to get the therapy and their spouse is not. Yeah. So that's most of the guys I work with. <laughs> <laughs> Their wives are making them come. <laughs> so I have some of those too, and that doesn't typically work very well. You, usually... Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I'd say again is this is the same thing popping up, right? Where you're saying, oh, if my spouse would just change, then I'd be happy. Or if, you know, if my spouse would go to therapy with me, then, you know, we could kind of put things together. Um, so what I, what I would say to that is this, like you can be happy uh, now, like you have that option. Um, what you will end up needing to decide at some point, right, is, you know, is this marriage going to be what I choose to be? Is this the person I'm going to choose to be with or is it not? Um, and you need to build up your own, the way I put it to guys is you need to build up your own strength and attractiveness. Uh, same, same idea for women, right? You want to build up that strength and know you're a good choice, like know you're worth choosing. Um, it's what a lot of my guys struggle with is like really feeling like they're worth choosing and a good choice and that it's worth it. They are worth making requests in their marriage, that they are worth saying, hey, I don't like this. I want this better. Um, and being willing at some point to say, yeah, if things don't improve, I am willing to leave this marriage. Um, because if you're, if you're never willing to leave and you're just going to try to control your spouse all the time, like you're stuck, mm. you're stuck because you're, you can't change your spouse. <laughs> and, and there's things you can do that will influence that. And that's what we talk about, right? Is you becoming more attractive, you making requests, you setting boundaries. Um, so that's kind of the, the, like the, the part of intimacy we didn't get to. So I'm glad you brought this up. So making requests saying, I'd like you to do this, or I'd like you to stop doing this. And then behind that is also a boundary. If 
you continue doing this, I will do this. If you refuse to do this, then I will do this. A boundary people always think is like telling your spouse what to do. It's not. What it is, is you being clear on what your action will be if something mm -hmm. happens or does not And then happen. following through with it. Yes. So that's it. Yeah. That's what a lot of people kind of have a hard time with. And that, and it takes a lot of thought and, uh, and prayer and you got to be super clear on what are those, what, what I call deal breakers. What are the deal breakers in the marriage? Because um, yeah, it, that's hard. It's super hard to come to your spouse and say, Hey, you know, this has been going on a long time. If it continues, I'm going to file for divorce. Um, and I want to go to therapy to help prevent that because I choose you. I want to be with you. But if you won't do this, then I can't stay in this marriage. Um, that's incredibly difficult. Um, but if it's to that point, um, that's what's in your control is what you will do. What's not in your control is what your spouse will do. You make the request and then you set the boundary, right? Here's what I'd like. If that doesn't happen, here's what I will do. It's almost standing up for your own self-worth. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's protecting that mid, that first bullet point, you know, when we were talking about uh, yeah. how I was defining it as cent, cent, concentric circles. Yeah. It's protecting way, that he, I have worth. And if you're not yes. going to value me as a person, if you're going to keep having affairs or whatever it is, right. then, then I value myself enough that I know you're not. And, and I'm going to step away from it, you know? Right. So Yeah. The only thing I would caution in that is sometimes people take that approach much too far. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and they're kind of like, oh, well, I value me. So like, if you, you know, if you don't um, tell me I'm great every day and, you know, have sex with me more than I'm leaving. Right. Mm. And that's, that's part of that same problem. Right. Of, yeah trying it's it's subtle right but it's actually still trying to get your worth from your from your mm -hmm. spouse i can see that i can yeah. totally see that it's a fine so, line to walk isn't it yeah so to me what, what i really believe strongly is that marriage is the place where you practice the second great commandment which is love your neighbor as yourself love your spouse equally to yourself so that's why that's why i consider as yourself equal not mm -hmm. more than yourself not less than yourself equal to yourself and yeah it's a balance you got to find it but that's really the, the the tool there is being being able to make a request because a lot of times people will people will do this and they will have never even made a clear request of their spouse like you know they're like fine you don't appreciate me you know, I'm, I'm leaving but they've never said hey you know i'd really like it if you would you know just say thank you on the days that i make meals that would mean a lot to me um and then their spouse would be like, oh, yeah, cool. Probably is how they'd respond. Right, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> you would hope. <laughs> and they may, they may say no, right? And so, but you, and that's where it gets a little more gray, right? Is in these areas where there's just been kind of like a lot of neglect or a lot of, you know, not responding to a, a person's requests for a long time. You know, it, it's more gray than saying like, if you have another affair, I'll leave. You know, that's pretty clear. If you keep screaming at me, you keep hitting me, I'm going to leave. You know, that's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. But if it's like, Hey, I've asked you a lot of times to um, make sex an important part of our marriage and you just have it, or I've asked you a lot of times to, um, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm careful about the appreciation one just because 
if you're so needy for someone to always say thank you, thank you, thank you, to me that's saying you probably need to work on appreciating what you're doing yourself more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because like you may find someone that's going to say thank you, thank you, thank you all the time, but probably what will happen is you'll start to doubt it and you want something else because yeah. you because you haven't built up that appreciation of yourself and what you're doing enough. Um, so coming back to Brooke Castillo, one thing she she says that I really like is like you can leave your marriage, but you want to be happy first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like a really good principle. <laughs> That is deep, man. That's really good. And it does, I I love how you phrased it, how marriage is applying that second great commandment, because as yourself, that means you have to love yourself in order to love another person. So you really have to have that foundation and that self-worth. Yes. If if you're going to show true love to someone else, because if you can't truly love yourself, it's going to be hard for you to love somebody else. So you start yeah. with you and, and you yeah. can control you. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it, and it steps up over time and you, you know, it, as you increase your love for yourself, you increase your love for others. As you start accepting more of the negative in yourself, you can accept that more in others. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great process. What, um, uh, Jennifer Finlayson Fife is, says is that marriage is a divine institution because it does force us to grow. It, if you if you will take that opportunity, right? It, it makes you grow up. It makes you look at and find those areas where you have not developed yourself in those areas. You know, spiritual, mental, emotional, sexual, um, and uh, yeah. So what David Schnarch calls it is it's the people growing machine. It's it's helped people grow forever. Um, so, and I believe that very strongly. Yeah. And yeah. I think you're attracted to people that will help you grow in the right ways. That's true. So let me ask you this. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are listening to you and they're like, dude, how do I connect to Dr. Mike? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> how, how do I connect? I want to talk to him. I want to see what he's got going. Maybe I need some counseling for myself or my spouse. How do they find out more about you? How do they connect with you? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking. So I have a podcast as well. It's called Strong Men, Strong Marriages. Uh, so you can listen on that. If you do start listening, I would recommend starting from the very beginning, like the first about four episodes will give you sort of an intro. And then from there, you can kind of pick and choose. Um, but the first four are kind of designed to give you a, a sort of a jumping off point. Um, and then um, my website is also strongmenstrongmarriages.com. Um, and that's where you can find out about uh, my program, which is uh, called the Strongman System. So you come in there, you're going to go through what we just talked about, you know, building strength, becoming attractive, uh, you know, creating more intimacy. If you are looking for some one-on-one coaching, um, you can send me an email. My email's on on there. And, um, you know, let me know. I, I have uh, some availability for that. And, um, yeah, those are kind of the the main places to find me. That is awesome. So final bit of hope that you can offer people coming from a point in your life when your marriage was not doing so great to where you are now, what, what would you say to people to give them hope? Yeah. What I'd say is, you know, there is light at the end of this, um, that, like if you will 
use this as an opportunity to um, build up that strength to come closer to to God if you believe in God. Um, like this can be, and it actually, it will be like one of the best things that can happen to you if you choose to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to use this time to really deepen my relationship with God, to look at how he's going to help me to rely on him. Um, you know, there's the, the scripture that says, you know, he's, he's going to be on your right hand, on your left, and his angels are around about you to bear you up. Like if you look for that, you'll see it and that will really increase your faith and um, yeah, be one of the, uh, the best experiences of your life. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Mike Frazier. This has been such an honor uh, to have you come on and share not only your story, but the process that you've seen work not only in your life, but in the lives of others, that healing is possible, yes. that connection, no matter the relationship, is possible when people apply principles, correct principles to their life and to their marriage. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember God loves you.